Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. I mean, beverages, watching a big game, it can't get any better. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. As always, thanks so much for checking out the GM Shuffle. Please go to Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe, rate, and review. Coming up today, we'll give you the picks as per usual. Listen, some big games, all right? Pats and the Chiefs, are you kidding me? You don't think Bill Belichick is frothing at the mouth to figure out a way to shut down Patrick Mahomes? Nick Foles and the Bears right now, 3-0, trying to improve to 4-0 against the Colts. Those games, plus other matters. As always, appreciate the GM Shuffle mailbag. Plus, I am going to get some thoughts from Mike as Doc Rivers gets a big five-year deal as the Sixers head coach. That came together quickly. We're also going to break down the Giants in detail. Before we do that, let's just do the news. Of course, the major news coming down. The Steelers and Titans game not be played during this week four because of additional positive coronavirus tests, which were announced on Thursday. So, so far, you've got double digits here, Mike, in terms of positive tests when it comes to not only players and personnel. We didn't know what the league was going to do when someone tested positive. Now we have our answer. Originally, they were going to try to buy some time, play it on Monday, but they're going to postpone the game and play it down the road. Makes sense to me. Yeah, me too. I mean, one thing that we know about the league office is they don't care about practice. You know, <laughs> Practice, man. Practice? <laughs> you know, like Alan Iverson must be running the league office. They don't care about practice. Just play games, fellas. Just play games, you know? We'll just play games. And so they don't give a crap about practice. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, obviously I do, you know, I make fun about the league office, but I, I hold it. I think they've done a remarkable job, and I think they've done a great uh, – of being able to be cautious and, and particular in everything they're doing. So – I mean, look, the the one thing we know, the stadiums are empty, so the schedule can readjust. It's hard for the teams. I mean, Tennessee gets a bye this week. They're going to have to play. I don't know how they're going to work it all out, but, you know, eventually they will. And, you know, it, it, somebody's got to play a Thursday, probably a Thursday game, and play two games in 10 days, which happens before. We'll have to do it and see what happens. Yeah, to your point with the schedule, the Titans currently have their bye week schedule for week seven. The Steelers' bye was coming in week eight. The Steelers' schedule to play the Ravens in week seven, who also have a week eight bye. So in theory, Steelers-Titans could be week seven, Steelers-Ravens week eight, and the Titans and Steelers, as you mentioned, taking this week off. The Ravens' bye getting moved to week seven. But that's logistics for down the road. The bottom line is this. you got to take safety first and of course the league understands that uh let's get to the albatross that is the new york football giant shall we yeah uh we've got some tweets and text people saying hey let's just discuss you know how bad this is and just a little bit of setup mike before you go in detail is exactly how bad this has gone they are 12 and 39 since the start of the 2017 nfl season and the coaches I mean, you kind of forget, Spags was there. Steve Spagnuolo was 2017. They went 3-13. and 13. Of course, he's a great defensive coordinator, did not work out as a head coach. Pat Schumer for a couple of seasons. And now Joe Judge, it's been 0-3 so far. 12-39 and 39, the last four years, that rivals the 1973-1976 period where they went 12-43-1. And back then, they played 14 games. 
This can be a case study in many ways, Mike. Not only how did the Giants, one of the you know league signature franchises, become so bad, but how can other teams avoid their mistakes? And you've said before, it's history repeating itself. Make me smarter. What does that mean? Well, I think, you know, if we were, if just think of this as, you know, the Godfather teaches us so many things and we can apply so many lessons. But do you remember the meeting when Don Corleone calls all the five families together after Santino got killed? And he said, how did it ever get this bad? How did things ever get so far? So I think you have to ask yourself, like, how did it ever get this bad? And this bad being, you have to go back to, when Wellington Mara ran the Giants. Wellington Mara was one of the nicest human beings. And let me start by saying the Mara family is nothing but class. They're tremendous. Chris Mara, the son, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. I mean, this is not personal. You know, this is just strictly evaluating the Giants organization. I don't have a vendetta against them. I'm not angry at anything. I'm just saying when you just subjectively take a step back, because the Mara family's tremendous. When you take a step back, you got to go back to 1973. Okay, 1973, Bill Arnsbarger, uh, before most people listen to this podcast were even born, he was the architect of the no-name defense in Miami. He became the head coach of the New York Football Giants in 1974. He took over a 2-11-1 and team from uh, Alex Webster. I, I, I think that's his first name. And then Arnsbarger came in and took over a 2-11-1 and team, and he made them 2-12. and The next year, he went 5-9. and And then Wellington Mara fired Arnsbarger and hired John McVay. And that year they went three and 11. The next year, a little progress, they went five and nine. And then of course, in 1978, they had the, they had the absolute teardown when they had the miracle at the Meadowlands. And, you know, if anybody doesn't know what the miracle at the Meadowlands, Joe's got that ready for us to, to play. It's, it's, they're winning the game. There's no timeouts. The Eagles are a playoff caliber team. And then this happens. Zaka and Pizarczyk missed the connection. The ball hops up on the one hop to Herman Edwards. He's in a got an open lane right into the end zone with 20 seconds left while the Giants are running out the game. All right, that clip, Miracle of the Meadowlands, by the way, all rights go to the audio to the NFL. Go ahead, Mike. So McVay gets fired. You know, he goes on to have a stellar career as the general manager of the 49ers, and the Giants are now left with a problem. And it's a big problem because the giant, the Mara family, Tim Mara and Wellington Mara are brothers. They own the team together, but they don't talk. So Pete Roselle, then the commissioner, has to try to broker this. And Wellington's running the team. And Wellington, again, the nicest human being you could ever meet. Just nothing but great. He's running the team. Roselle knows he's got to try to do something to split this up to fix the problem. I mean, it was so bad that Wellington used to walk around the football field at practice. And if Tim Mara was at a certain point on the practice field, Wellington would walk to in that direction and he would get about 20 yards and then he would walk the other way and he would do it. So he never had to see Tim Mara. That's how much hate there was between the two. So Mara, so Mara is forced to hire George Young. Okay, George Young is an assistant down. He's a personnel director down at the Miami Dolphins. He's basically a school teacher, got into pro pers- got into personnel, really a smart guy, learned the system of size speed. And he brings to the New York Football Giants a system. He hires Ray Perkins as his first hire. 
and he builds the, and he and he drafts Phil Sims as first pick in the draft. You know, now they don't improve quickly. They go six and ten in Perkins' first year. They go four and twelve his second year, but in the third year in '81 they go set nine and seven, making some progress. They got Lawrence Taylor, but what what George Young did for the New York Football Giants is he built he gave them a foundation, built a foundation. And from that foundation, that led him to Bill Parcells in 1983, who almost got fired when he was 3-12. and 12. And they have continued with that foundation. They have continued with that grading system. They have continued with that. Now, George Young retires. Ernie, of course, he takes over. And everything is inbred within the organization. And there lies the problem. There lies the problem. They've had no outside thinking other than the coaches. And because of this, John Mara now becomes the president. Wellington passes away. John Mara becomes the president. They sell 49% of the team to the Tisch family, who basically now replace Tim Mara as the outsiders, right? And the Tisch family is looking at the last five seasons and saying, wait a minute, or four seasons and say, this is the worst football we've ever had in the history of the Giants. Something has to change. And like you said... It's been bad football and bad football for a while. By the way, I just want to, as an aside, how about the name Wellington? Like you talk about names you don't hear anymore. Like you, you posted a great picture of your grandson the other day, Dino. Could you imagine if your son had decided to name his child Wellington? Like Wellington Lombardi? Like how is there a nickname? Is there a, is there a Welly? I mean, that's just old school name. Does that just reek of money and power, Wellington? It, it really, I mean, it really, and he was, and he wasn't an arrogant person. And John Mara isn't a bad person either. John Mara is living proof of the Dunning-Kruger effect. He is living proof of that. He cannot handle the job. I mean, he runs the team. He's too nice. He, you know what he is, AD? He's not a wartime, he's not a wartime Don. He's just not a wartime Don. And he's in a wartime, and the NFL's a wartime. He's too nice and he's way too loyal. So people want to blame. I, I was doing a, a, a I was on WFAN the other day, and they said you were too nice to Gettleman. And 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 Gettleman is really just part of the symptom, right? Well, uh, uh, Gettleman is just really more of a reinforcement of why the Giants need to change their way. Now, you're from Canada, right? Do you remember the the, the, shop, the supermarket Steinberg's? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Okay, the Steinberg supermarkets, just, just the, the Sam Steinberg, there's a great documentary. After, it's called After Sam. And it's about this Toronto-based supermarket, or no, actually Montreal-based supermarket, that run by, founded by Sam Steinberg, a little corner store that he grew into this huge conglomerate of all sorts of, of stores. And when the secession power turned over, and, and honestly, it's a little like secession, the, the TV show on HBO. Nice. The, the transition of, of it wasn't very good. And there was no one there to handle the job. And John Mara probably would be a really good consigliere. He would be a really good consigliere because he's got a voice of reason. He's got patience. He understands it, but he's not a wartime Don. So he hires Gettleman and he's running the team. Gettleman's kind of like his, the guy who's going to take the bullets. First, you know, after a course he left, they hired Jerry Reese who had been in their system all along, right? Of course, he appointed Reese as his successor, and Reese knew the system. They just stayed within the system. It's like Steinberg's. When you stay within the same system, you know, and you don't change what you're doing, it's going to be a problem. And so the Giants now are reflective of that problem. They, and, and when you look back and you say to me, Michael, how did this happen? Well, it's really not that complicated how it happened. John Mara's really running the team. 
He's too loyal to people. He won't change. He's got a bunch of nephews and niece and people all working in the, it's a family store. They're not all trained to really do it, right? They're just promoting people from within. Kevin Abrams has been there since day one, right? There's no outside, like if they were really trying to win, if if their life depended on it, they would hire outside, outside counsel to come in and evaluate their organization and tell them what's wrong, you know? And, and they don't want to do that because they don't want to hear that they're too much of a family-run business. And so the problem is they're too loyal, right? Everybody knew Eli was done, and yet they refused to get off that. They, re, they I mean, remember Gettleman's press conference when he came in and said, if that Eli was in, I, I think, the game against Philadelphia, if that's the Eli, he can play five more years? Like, seriously, the only reason you hired Gettleman was because he supported you on the Eli argument. He'll support you on any argument. Dave's a wonderful guy, but but that's not the point here. The point is, this organization needs radical change. And everybody wants to look at the drafts. It's easy to, right? You look at the drafts and you say, wow, this, they, they can't draft worth a shit. You look at their, the free agents, they can't. That's all just symptoms of the bigger problem. If they don't change, if, if they don't have that, that Pete Rozelle decision to bring in George Young, if they don't change what they're doing completely, this is never going to get better. To that point about the draft, and in terms of personnel, Andrew Thomas, Xavier McKinney, Matt Peart, those are the top three picks this past year, uh, 2019 of last year. Daniel Jones, Dexter Lawrence, DeAndre Baker, Saquon Barkley a couple years ago. In terms of free agents, you know, there hasn't been a guy that you go, okay, wow, good sign there. Giants 2020 free agents, Cameron Fleming, the offensive tackle, uh, Deion Lewis, the running back, Colt McCoy, of course, backup quarterback. But like you said, the personnel is one issue. I think what's interesting is because oftentimes you're looking at things as you know a form of leadership. It can be an example for other corporations. And if I said to you, I like working for this company because they're very loyal, it's, oh my God, what's more important than loyalty, right? Look at your friendships. Look at your relationships with family. There's nothing more important than being loyal because loyalty inspires trust and those kind of values that we really think are important. But that's interesting. In the case of the Giants, you feel like it's too, mo- too much loyalty. It, it's, it's, you need someone to kind of go in and throw a flamethrower and say, I'm willing to shake this thing up. And they're not going to do that. No. And, and it's like being lost, right? You could say, well, we're lost, but we're making great time. If, if you, you know, let's just keep going this way. We're going to be loyal to our map. Well, if your map's wrong, you're wrong. You know, and, and, I, and I think the giants just refuse to accept. They think they're better than they are. You know, they think they have a way of procuring talent that's much better than everybody else, you know, and, and they're and they're going to blame the coach because they think they're much better than the talent level should be higher. Well, the talent level isn't very high. I mean, they draft Daniel Jones because I think John Maurer really wanted to draft Daniel Jones. I mean, I was told reliably, this is fact, that that McAdoo went to work out Patrick Mahomes because McAdoo, for all of McAdoo's you know, I tease him about the the, the cheese, cheesecake menu and all that. McAdoo knew Eli was done. He knew it. I mean, anybody who watches and studies football knew Eli was done. The problem is because of the Dunning-Kruger effect, because of confirmation bias, the Giants refused to accept what they were seeing, right? They loved Eli. I mean, they loved him. He won two Super Bowls for him. They were too loyal to him. You know, that's what happens when you have somebody who's too loyal running the company. You got to make hard decisions. So, McAdoo goes to work out Mahomes. He's not even authorized to do it. He just did it on his own. And he came back and he loved, loved Mahomes. Well, he went in and told the people in the draft room he loved Mahomes. They laughed at him. They, they literally laughed at him. This is what I'm told, told by somebody who was in the room. They laughed at him because they loved Davis Webb. They thought Davis Webb was the best quarterback in that draft. 
Now, I don't know if it was Chris Mara, one of the, I don't know who, who thought that. I'm not blaming anybody. We all make mistakes. This isn't about uh, uh, Lombardi's trying to pretend he has all the answers. No, this is about understanding. If you're in the NFL and you don't study the Giants, if your owner doesn't say, I want you to study the Giants and why they're in this mess, because they, they've been around this business for years, and if they can make mistakes, then we better avoid what they're doing, right? Wouldn't you want to do that? So the reason are, it's pretty clear. They can't, they, they've, they've got too many people who think the same way. And as Bill Walsh once said, if we're all thinking alike, no one's thinking. And so that's what they're doing. They're not thinking. And they're just hoping that they're going to turn it around. They want, they drafted, they, they drafted, uh, Daniel Jones because really that was, I'm told that was John Maris pick. He loved them. He loved them. And I think what's happened here is because it's become, and, and you got to believe the Tish family. You got to believe the Tish family is wondering what the hell's going on, right? They have no say. I mean, I love Joe Judge, a nice guy. They beat Mississippi State to get Joe Judge. You know, they got Jason Garrett. Is anybody watching Jason Garrett's offense this year? Seriously, if you have any ability to evaluate talent, this offense is one of the worst in the league. And so what are you doing? Like, who's running this store? Who's running it? It's not the players. It's not you're having bad drafts. You have an organizational breakdown similar to what Sam Steinberg's. And you know what happened to Steinberg's, don't you, AD? Yeah. They're out of business. But the NFL, you're never going to go out of business because the TV money's too good. But you're going to have 12 out of 30, 12 and 39. That's the, the, Think about this now. That's, that's a worse record than the Cleveland Browns who went 0-16 one year. That's frightening when you think, like I said, a league signature franchise is deep pockets, wants to win, rabid fan base. It's it's inexcusable, and uh, it's certainly disappointing for the New York Giants as we move from that autopsy. And with one shut-up, by the way, to Montreal and Steinbergs. You can't get better bagels. Always a good debate. New York bagels versus Montreal bagels. Montreal bagels, phenomenal. Um, we move, though, Mike, from that Giants conversation because of how bad they are to the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. Because maybe, to your point, Mara was in love with Daniel Jones and that was a mistake. Well, maybe they can correct it because they are 0-3, as are the New York Jets are 0-3, as are right now the Texans, the Vikings, and the Falcons. Now, those other teams, I think the Vikings, listen, I came into the season and they could contend for the division title. Instead, their defense is atrocious. The Texans and Bill O'Brien... Obviously, a terrible start that I was not expecting. And the Falcons have blown double-digit 15-point leads in the fourth quarter. To do that in two straight games, that's the first time in NFL history. So the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes right now, I feel like it's the Giants and the Jets. And listen, it's one thing to say, hey, the Giants would love to get him. Of course they would. All right. Daniel Jones, it's been fun. But how about if the Jets, if they can take Trevor Lawrence, Mike, we can go from in a rather short amount of time thinking Sam Darnold is going to be a solid quarterback, a safe pick, a guy who's going to have a really good career, to a guy who's not the number one, and maybe they trade him to Pittsburgh. Juju Smith-Schuster claiming for a reunion. Ben Roethlisberger, a couple more years left. Maybe the Jets can get Lawrence and then deal Darnold to the Steelers. You know, I, I thought Darnold was trying his ass off last night. I think he was trying to prove that, he, you know, he's he's a good NFL quarterback. And I'm not sure that that he's not. I mean, he obviously has to cut down on his mistakes. But you could see there was, I mean, he hurt his shoulder early in the game. There's a sense of determination in him. But... You're right. I mean, I think this is a battle. I think Jacksonville's still in this. I think Denver, you know, I mean, Brett Rippon played really good last night, but I don't know how long that's going to last. I think Denver could still be in the sweepstakes. I wouldn't rule out Jacksonville. I think Houston will win some games. I mean, Houston's played three really good teams. You know, they played Pittsburgh. They played Baltimore. 
and they've played Kansas City. I mean, those are three hard. I mean, they're going to win some games. I think they're going to remove themselves. Plus, Houston, if they get it, it would be a bonanza because they're not going to draft Lawrence over Deshaun Watson. You know, after they just signed after they just signed Watson to a huge deal. So, you know, for me, I still think it's. I think the Jets are the front runners. I think the Giants are front runners. I think Jacksonville's still in this picture. You're right. Minnesota's defense is atrocious. You know, I think if I were Denver, I would just tear the thing down and start over because I think you, you, the only way you're going to catch. Mahomes is that way, but you're right. I, I think it's a New York, New York battle, and and the Giants, knowing them, that they, they'll probably you know think they could trade the pick and keep Daniel Jones and and give up Lawrence. I mean, you know, that's how loyal they are. Uh, the Broncos one, you've talked in detail how Elway, for all his obviously greatness as a player, has been unable to find a quarterback. Wouldn't that just be perfect? Wouldn't that be just absolute synchronicity? Like these years of trying to find a quarterback and being a mess, and then you have a, a horrific season, and of course you get Trevor Lawrence. And the blonde locks are flowing at mile high and always going, yeah, that's my guy. And you go, yeah, because you sucked for so many years. You're backed into getting Trevor Lords. It, it makes the most sense, right? I mean, like, why not? Why not suck for it? Why not go for it? You know, like, seriously, why wouldn't we do it? You know, it's like, I, I don't know how, why else we wouldn't because, you, you know, we got, we got a chance. To, the only way we're going to beat Mahomes is to, to have a quarterback who can match Mahomes. We're not going to beat, if you think you're going to beat Mahomes with Drew Locke and, you know, Von Miller's hurt, and then I, I think you're crazy. I really do. I think you're playing for second fiddle. And I, and I think poor, you know, now it's Vic Fangio. He don't want to hear that crap. Vic Fangio, he's like, no, ain't no way I want to lose. You know, Vic Fangio wants to win every game, but. You know, I mean, at some point, you got to take one for the team. No doubt about it. When we come back, we're going to preview the biggest matchups heading into week four of the NFL season, including a big game between two teams trying to prove that they are legit playoff contenders, the Colts and the Bears, plus the reason all of you are listening for Mike's Picks. That's next, right here on the GM Shuffle. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning. I'm checking the betting odds. I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health. And DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning. It's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy. I'm sharper at work. I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed's subscription service easily builds DSO-1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE. All right, time now to talk some football games here in week four. Last year, Mike, obviously you had an outstanding record. You were predicting 67%. Uh, last week had a tough week, 0-3, so currently at 4-5. and 5, But I know you're going to bounce back this week. I hope so. Week, I mean, listen, game one we're going to discuss. 
I don't even know if you're going to go with a pick on this one, but Pats and Chiefs, are you kidding me? Mahomes, after that performance against the Ravens, looks so good. And once again, he gets the upper hand against Lamar Jackson. But Bill Belichick, one of the great defensive minds in the history of football. I mean, this is an awesome matchup because I just cannot wait to see what he dials up defensively against Mahomes and company. Well, I think what he's going to do is he's going to do He's got to keep the ball in front of him. You got to force at least 13 or more third downs in this game. You can't give up big plays. You know, you, you can't take away everything. Like Belichick would tell the team, look, we can't double everybody. They're going to double Tyreek Holmes. They're going to try to win their matchup with their guy on, on Kelsey and see if they can hold up. And they've got to rush a certain way. You can't allow this guy to move right or left in the pocket. So, and, and let's be honest, you're not going to hold him to, to 10 points. I mean, that's just unrealistic. But you got to be able to play fast. You got to play smart. You know, here's an interesting stat, A.D. Since 2004, Bill Belichick has only been a seven-point underdog twice in his career. And in those games, he's 2-0. and He's covered the spread twice. So he's a seven-point underdog in this game. You know, we'll see. I mean, the, the injury with Chris Jones, you've got to see where that goes. I mean, that's going to be huge. If Chris Jones doesn't play, you know, the, the, that'll really hurt the Chiefs' defense. He's listed as questionable right now. The Patriots seem fairly healthy. They seem fairly confident. I think it'll be a close game. I think, you know, a lot of people are going to take the Patriots in this game. I'm not going to play it as one of my official picks, but I I definitely see this as a game that the Patriots could keep it within seven points. I mean, when you look at the betting line and you see the action on this game that's going down, it's fascinating. You know, last week, uh, like I said before, if you took all the teams that had under 10%, a 20% of the cash on them, you would have gone eight and one. So the Chiefs have 24% of the money, 63% of the tickets. The Patriots have 37% of the tickets and 76% of the money. So, and that line stay in some, some places it goes down to six and a half. It's staying at seven. I think the Patriots in the seven is a good play. I'm not recommending it. I think it's a good play though. Okay, how about the Colts and the Chicago Bears? The Bears at 3-0 after Nagy had the guts to say, you know what, Trubisky is not getting it done. I'm going with Nick Foles. And all of a sudden, Foles does what Foles does when he gets pressed into duty as they're now 3-0. They're taking an Indianapolis Colts team. We haven't talked a lot about this Colts team, Mike, but they're 2-1 right now. How are you going to break down this one? Well, you know, the Colts are an interesting team. So what I do on my power rankings is I rank the teams 1-32, through 32, and then I, I look at DVOA, which is the Football Outsiders, and I see, just as a comparison, like where do they have based on my ratings? And I'm not using their ratings when I break down the lines on the spread, but I just want to see maybe what teams am I wrong on? You know, where could I, and then I, if I look at a line, I might be wrong on a team. I say, okay, you know, here's where that that is. So, you know, Indy, I had as the the third best team in football so far after three weeks, believe it or not. You know, nobody would believe that, right? You know, when you lose to Jacksonville, you get that stigma on you. You don't think you're very good. But Indy's played really well this year. Uh, even if they would have played more man in game one, I mean, Rivers still worries me. I'm scared to death of Rivers. But I think they're playing really well. And I think the Bears are played really well in the second half of that game. I was leaning towards taking Indy in the points here and laying the two and a half. The game opened up even. I've kind of bounced back and forth. I think I'm going to pass on making a pick here at this game because I don't know if my numbers on Chicago are right. And here's why. My numbers on Chicago are a lot based on MVP Mitch. You know, so I'm a little concerned that like in my numbers, I thought it, it based on MVP Mitch in Chicago, Indy should have been about a five and a half point favorite. You know, they opened up as a pick'em, and now it's a two and a half. So it's easy. Okay, Lombardi, just take the just take the Colts, you, you know. But I, I think that 
I think you have to be careful here because Foles makes the Bears a much better team. There's no denying that. He makes them a much better team, a more dangerous team. So my instincts say, Cole, I'm probably going to take, I'd probably take the Colts if I had to pick this game. I'm going to pass, but I think it's going to be a really good game. And I think people are surprised how good the Colts are playing this year. Rivers scares the shit out of me if he turns that ball over. That's the only thing that keeps me away from that. Frank Reich, as we know, obviously an excellent coach. Clearly the team right now, it looks good. How about the Chargers and the Buccaneers? Chargers right now are one and two, and they're facing a Bucs team that's two and one. And, you know, Tom Brady has looked better after that week one. A couple touchdowns there to Mike Evans, so that's good news there as far as the Bucs offense is concerned. Fournette, I know, is questionable this week. Not that that's a huge impact necessarily offensively. But how about the Chargers and the Bucs? How are you breaking down this one? You know, I, I think when you break down the Chargers and you look at what they've been able to accomplish uh, offensively, it's fairly impressive. I mean, it's really somewhat impressive what they've done with a rookie quarterback. I mean, it, it, it's 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 remarkable. And, you know, he's going in there. I, I mean, if you just go by yards per point, yards per point, they're at 2456. The Bucks are at 12, 12, 1222. Defensively, yards per point, they're at 17. The Bucks are at 15. Yards per pass play, they're at 11.25, Bucks are at 10. I mean, yards per rush, they're at 4.28. I mean, this Charger team is sleepy good. They're not great, but they're sleepy good. And this young quarterback has played well. I'm reluctant. You know, I, I love Todd Bowles. I think he's outstanding. I think they do a great job. But I think the Chargers can move the ball. I'm going to take the Chargers and the points here. I think he can get seven. There's some places at six and a half. But right now on my board, I see a bunch of sevens out there. I know the Chargers have some injuries. I think they'll play fast. I think the fastest of the Chargers defense will cause a problem. So I'm going to take the Chargers and the seven. All right, taking the charges in the sim. That's the first official pick on the board for this week. How about the Browns and the Cowboys? So when it comes to the Browns, Chubb clearly has been the difference maker. People can think, oh, Baker Mayfield's the guy. But Chubb can, can run the football and can do some things offensively. And they've realized now, listen, rely on him to get the offense going. They're 2-1 and one right now, facing a Cowboys team that's 1-2. and two. They had that great shootout with the Seahawks. You felt like Dak was going to lead them to the win because Seattle's defense was beat up. And obviously, Prescott can do good things. But Russell Wilson also towards their defense. So Dallas, you feel like great offense. Not so sure about the defense and the Browns, perhaps a surprising two and one after the way they look to start the season. Who do you got in this one? Cleveland is at Dallas. I'm going to take the Browns and the points here. I like it. I think it's a closer game. My numbers say it should be almost a pick 'em game. And I was talking to somebody in the league this week, and I said, uh, who do you like this week But the Cleveland? And, and have you watched Cleveland? And the guy said, yeah, I think Cleveland's a pretty good team this year. He said, but the, they would be much better if the, if the quarterback was better. That's the most people in the league know that. The perception outside the league is Baker's this great player, right? You know, and everybody in the league knows he's just a little bit better, if not the same as Case Keenum. But that being said, here's why I like this game. If you go back and watch Minnesota play New Orleans last year in that playoff game, Minnesota ran the football effectively. I think the, the Browns will run the ball on a Dallas defense that's not very good. Let's face it, Dallas should be 0-3. Let's face it, they should be 0-3. They earned that loss up in Seattle. They 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 almost they should have lost to Atlanta and they they lost to the, the Rams. So I like Cleveland in the points. I think when you watch that, I think Cleveland matches up well against them. I think they can run the ball. Do I think the Cowboys could win? Yeah. I think there's no doubt the Cowboys could win. There's less than 20% money on Cleveland, which I like. The ticket counts, uh, you know, it it, it kind of sets up perfectly for me. 
the, the, the official in the game is a visiting official, which I, you always want to rank officials by, you know, the, against the spread. Does he favor the home or the visiting team? Based on my numbers, the visiting team. So I, 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 like, the, I like the Browns here officially as a team. All right, I'm curious where you're going to go with this one. The Eagles at the 49ers. This is Sunday night football on NBC. The Eagles are 0-2-1 after settling for a home tie against the Bengals. There's no tying in baseball, but there is in football. And the Niners right now at 2-1, listen, they show that they're moxie after having a litany of injuries after playing with the Meadowlands, were able to come back with a strong win, relying on the running game. And Mullins looked awfully good, by the way, stepping in for Jimmy Garoppolo. The Eagles are a mess, Mike. You went and picked them last week. You regretted it last time. What are you doing this time? You know, I, I, I well, I picked them against the Rams last week. I avoided them. I should have probably just, I should have picked the Bengals. I'm not going to pick this game. I think this is an interesting game, though. The Eagles have no receivers. I mean, they had one guy practice the other day, Greg Ward. And he averaged, they have a receiver that averages less than, than nine yards a catch. Could you imagine that? They have no explosive plays. Last <laughs> week, they had 21 third downs against Cincinnati. I mean, it, you know, the Eagles are not a good team. You know, and, and you know, the, the betting public, there's only 5% of the money on the Eagles in this game, and they're getting seven points on the road. And San Francisco hasn't even decided who they're going to play at quarterback. And we know San Francisco doesn't have any of their players either. So it's back and forth. I think this is, I think the Eagles are, even if they were able to find a way to win this game, which I don't know how they could do it, is a fascinating story because they're just not very good. I mean, their numbers are really bad. Their numbers are really bad, and 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 in this game, I should take San Francisco based on my numbers, but I'm because but I don't know what San Francisco is going to do, so I kind of left that alone. My my third pick of the week, AD, is I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions, and I'm going to take the four and a half points from Detroit. I think Detroit, when you break this game down. I think Detroit has played well. You know, they easily could be a two and one team. Do I think the Saints can win the game? Yeah. I don't think Drew Brees is really 100% healthy. I think he's got something going on with his stomach. I'm not sure what it is. You know, I don't have clarification or absolute definitive knowledge, but he doesn't look like the same guy to me. I think Detroit can move the football on him. I know they have a lot of injuries, but. Michael Thomas is back. I still like Detroit to keep it close. I think they'll throw the ball effectively on the Saints. So I'm going to take Detroit in the four and a half. All right, those are your picks then. Chargers, Browns, and Lions break out the legal pads. Cannot wait to see what the Eagles do against the 49ers. That's going to be a mess on Sunday night. Coming up next, Mike and I open up the GM Shuffle mailbag. We're talking power rankings and also Doc Rivers. The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. What a week we have. Sun up to sundown, college basketball conference tournaments all day long for your betting pleasure. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SHUFFLE. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SHUFFLE. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources
Now the coach of Mike's beloved Sixers. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning, I'm checking the betting odds, I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health, and DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning, it's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy, I'm sharper at work, I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed's subscription service easily builds DSO-1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE. As always, you can get in touch with us. You can email us. You can tweet us. You can get us on Instagram. Uh, the Twitter, by the way, is MLombardiNFL. That's on Instagram and Twitter. For myself, it's Adnan S. Virk. And you can also follow our show's Instagram page at the GM Shuffle. Uh, the GM Shuffle at gmail.com. We got this email. I started listening to the pod. Love it. Chemistry between you and Lombardi is awesome. Love all the movie talk. Wondering if Lombardi posts his power rankings anywhere, if there's a way I can subscribe and see it. Great show, Al. Yes, Al. We don't actually have power rankings, but our Monday recap episodes we do discuss all the games from over the weekend so we give our top three bottom three teams and again you can find those on our social media pages and Lombardi NFL Adnan S. and at the GM Shuffle that brings us to the Philadelphia 76ers Mike very quickly this deal comes together Adrian Wojnarowski dropping the Woj bomb it seems like it took about two minutes the Sixers are interested in Doc Rivers they have a phone call great you're available done 21 seasons won a title with the Celtics he's coach of the Magic and the Clippers as well some people love him because he's a great communicator and Maybe he's the guy that can motivate Embiid and Simmons. The knock against him is that maybe he's a little bit overrated. I mean, he's too much of a player's coach. He's not tough enough and didn't get it done with the Clippers. He's had a lot of 3-1 leads, by the way. He's blown in the playoffs. Your thoughts on Doc running your Sixers? You know, I think that, you know, I, I initially my reaction is I think Doc is a little bit overblown as a coach. Uh, you know, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, you know, how... Uh, intense he is and where he and where he'll really take the team to but i do know this i think he's a big figure and i think he's bigger than the two players that the sixers have to have on their team the simmons and a beat doc is you know they can't challenge doc because doc's bigger than they are even you know doc's won he's played he's done everything that the sixers wanted so there's no more excuses for Embiid. there's no more excuses for 
Simmons. They have to kind of either buck up or they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do. Plus, I think at least they, they brought somebody in from the outside that'll try to let them know that this is the way we're going to have to play and this is what we have to do with our team. So, you know, they needed a big personality. I would have preferred Billy Donovan. They didn't go in that direction because I think they probably thought Billy Donovan would be too hard ass on them, which is what I think they need. But they got somebody that I think brings them some cachet and some clout and some real real uh, 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 respect that the players just can't walk over and they can't run to the owner. So at the end of the day, the the balances, I look at it, I'm I'm okay with it. I like it better than Mike D'Antoni. I wasn't sure how that was ever going to work. I know Embiid, I was talking to people in the NBA and they said Embiid really wanted D'Antoni. I I didn't know how that was going to work. But uh, I'll, I'll take it. I mean, you know, one thing in another month, I'll be back full force, for, you know, thinking they're going to win another title again. Right now, I'm in a depression state. I'll come out of it eventually, <laughs> and then I'll be fine, and I'll be pretend like nothing happened. I'm an idiot. What can I tell you? Not at all. Not an idiot. Just a loyal fan and loyal to the cause. Um, I just want to end on this really nice note that we got. Uh, I want to say I continue to enjoy the GM Shuffle. It's the right mix of football, humor, insights into leadership, and references to two of the greatest TV shows of all time. After all, the king stay the king. For my birthday this year, my wife surprised me by organizing a scavenger hunt of filming locations of The Sopranos throughout northern New Jersey. It was fantastic. We had about 14 spots, including The Soprano House, Pizza Land, Santani's, The Muffler Man, and many more. I want to see if the many more is the strip club. Anyways, Satin Dolls. Uh, the highlight was stopping for a snack at Holston's in Montclair. I've been. It's fantastic. The owner had the lights off in the back to discourage people from lingering. When he found out it was my birthday, he turned on the lights so my wife could take my photo at the table of the last scene, which still has the jukebox. I can confirm that. We took our snacks outside as we were sitting under the tent beside the restaurant. Don't stop believing. Came over the PA. The owner put it on for us. My wife planned it all without seeing any of the show. We've since started watching it at her request. It's been fun seeing her reaction to moments of the show, like when Junior tells Tony, next time you come see me, come heavy or not at all. That's from Tim. I mean, wife of the year, Mike. She's unbelievable. No doubt, wife of the year. Tremendous, tremendous. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, you know, and I love the line, come heavy, don't come at all, because that's what we try to do on the GM Shuffle. We try to come heavy. We don't care if, if we piss off anybody. I mean, you know, are you interested to see if uh, if our man Mike McCarthy is going to be the beat cop this week? Do you think he, <laughs> you think he can be Malone again? <laughs> I was just thinking about coming heavy. It made me think of Malone. <laughs> Remember when Connery says, you know, he sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. That's how you get Capone. Get that message over to Mike McCarthy and get these Cowboys to wake up. Thanks, as always, for checking out the GM Shuffle. We'll talk to everybody on Monday.